Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, we will discuss the current vote on the potential merger of NACE International and the Society for Protective Coatings. We will also discuss how NACE International is handling COVID-19 with CEO of NACE International, Bob Chalker, along with the Director of Sales for McGuire Iron, Jamie Mays. Bob Chalker is Chief Executive Officer of NACE International. He also serves on the Board of Directors of the NACE Foundation and the NACE Institute. He earned his MBA at Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan, and completed his bachelor's degree in industrial engineering at the University of Cincinnati. Bob is very happily married to his wife, Kim, and they have two grown children, Taylor and Stefan. Jamie Mays is the director of sales for McGuire Iron. Jamie is also a NACE certified coatings inspector. He was certified over 20 years ago and currently holds his level three certification. Bob and Jamie... Thank you for joining me on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. All right, Bob, let's start with, for those who don't know who NACE International is, can you just give us a brief overview of who NACE is, what they do, and the people they serve? It's NACE International, uh, we go by the tagline, the Worldwide Corrosion Authority. Uh, we're a not-for-profit professional association um, that is members focus on preventing um, or mitigating corrosion uh, to protect our assets. Uh, we have almost 40,000 members worldwide, and we specialize in uh, really exchanging knowledge and information as well as networking. We have uh, education programs, certification programs. We write technical standards, publish books and magazines, put on conferences. So our mission is to educate uh, engineers, business people, anybody who's in the field of corrosion prevention. We serve the potable water community with water tanks. How does NACE fit into that area of expertise? Well, I, I hope we fit in well, and I hope, and I know you guys use a lot of NACE's education and certification programs, and I hope uh, all the uh, industry does, because that's right in our sweet spot. One of the things we do is train the, uh, people on how to uh, prevent steel structures, steel assets, which often water towers are, from corrosion either by coating and establishing a barrier from the environment or through cathodic protection or other means, um, which is really applying science to, to protect the asset. So uh, that those types of structures, water towers, bridges, ships, uh, anything that's made out of steel, uh, that's where our expertise is strong. Not that we don't have it in other areas. In fact, as new and more materials are being developed and implemented in the industry, uh, we are finding that the definition of corrosion really expands. Uh, many of us think of corrosion as rust, and therefore steel-oriented. But really, corrosion is the degradation of any material. And so um, you can see degradation in just about any material that it's used. It propagates differently, but it still is a, a failing of the material. And um, our mission is to make sure that we have the people out there well-qualified, well-trained uh, to protect those assets. So right now, when I was doing NACE um, many years ago, it was predominantly steel. So will you start incorporating maybe concrete or other types of substrates into your training? 
Yes, in fact, uh, we have a uh, concrete, uh, corrosion concrete course that was actually uh, developed in Australia by one of our partners, the Australasia Corrosion Association, that we work very closely with. Um, they offer our courses in Australia, and we brought that course here to the, to the U.S. and to other places in the world. So absolutely, you're seeing that. Um, we're starting to see in the standards development area, uh, and that's where a lot of this all often starts, is either there's an interest in a standard or you see some technical papers being published at our conference. But we're, you know, we're seeing everything from um, research and papers being done on additive manufacturing to you know, micro uh, technology and uh, all different kinds of modern materials as they begin to recognize there is no perfect material. So there, there is always some kind of degradation. And uh, we're trying to gather that expertise and knowledge. We call it the body of knowledge. We're trying to gather that body of knowledge across all types of materials. Yeah, I think you have over 1,600 standards now and over 31,000 different reports or articles in regards to corrosion on your, on your site. So I've, I periodically yeah, go in there. And, I yeah, I periodically go in there and I find it as a reading, and I will share it with my guys if I find something that I feel is water tank related and things like that uh, to help them to grow their knowledge. We have in our uh, organization our own inspectors that we send through NACE. So when we're working on projects, they are able to go out and. and and instill the, the things that you taught them uh, for, our, for our customers. Yeah, it, you know, the water industry is a really interesting one. It, it's been really up and coming for us um, over the last five years, six years. Uh, there's always been an interest in what NACE does in the water industry, uh, but it was really people who were thought leaders, like your own company, that uh, really demonstrated leadership and saying, you know what, this is something we're going to pay attention to. We're going to get our people trained and qualified. But well, I would have to say that the water industry as a whole was not a leader in this area. Um, oil and gas, obviously, uh, highway, uh, maritime, were probably a few steps ahead. And I mean, I have my own assumption of what causes that, but I think one of the reasons is, is that the failure mode in the water system isn't quite as severe as the failure mode in some of these other areas, meaning the damage that gets done. And so the interest to spend the money to do things right up front wasn't necessarily as high. But as water systems, number one, has become more complex and more expensive to replace, uh, it makes more sense to invest in doing the design and maintenance properly. And so we really have seen a growth of interest um, from all areas of the water industry, but particularly the potable water. So, Bob, we talked a little bit about there, about the things NACE provides and what you guys do. What are some of the things that NACE is doing right now? What are some of the things out there that you are currently facing as an organization? Well, first of all, uh, we're all facing COVID-19, right? So um, that, that has brought its own set of challenges, and we maybe we'll talk about that a little bit, but in a very short time frame, we've had to pivot the organization dramatically. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because when I say pivot, it isn't so much that we've had to change direction, but had to accelerate direction. So, so one of the things we've been facing and, and working with is um, 
education being our primary uh, effort, how do you how do you provide that education to people? And it, recognizing that people don't want to spend time away from home unnecessarily, they already do it enough. Uh, businesses don't want their employees off the job for long periods of time. Uh, recognizing that learning has changed dramatically in our school system, that we've had to change how we approach learning. So one of the things we have been starting down a path was moving to uh, taking advantage of technology for our learning. We call it distance learning. Um, and either creating programs and courses that are fully online and done through distance learning or a hybrid, where some of it is done in a classroom and some of it's done online. Because there's still a big element of what we do that requires hands-on training of skills and how to use equipment. So we've been moving down that path, and I would say moving but slowly, while COVID-19 has accelerated that. And we've taken a large number of our courses and have had to move them online. Uh, and that's just one area that we're, we're facing. Uh, the other thing that we're seeing a lot of is uh, technology is advancing quickly in the industry. The tools and equipment and the measuring uh, devices, et cetera, are advancing in technology. So we've had to update the content of what we offer. Uh, materials are changing, so we've already talked about that and staying up with that. So the pace of knowledge is moving so much faster than it has ever moved before, and that's requiring us to stay um, really up on top of things. And then the big one for us right now is the discussions with SSPC to bring the two organizations together as, as one organization. So that's a, a really important um, initiative that we have going. One other thing that we've become very excuse me, one other thing we've become very involved in is uh, working to help educate policymakers and decision makers, uh, business people about the value of the investment in corrosion prevention. We a couple of years ago launched our impact study, which provided tremendous amount of information and knowledge about the value of doing corrosion prevention. And that evolved into what we call Impact Plus, which is really a tool set for asset owners, government, businesses, to make really knowledgeable, wise decisions about how they protect their assets. But, so that is a move to a sort of not, we still continue to see ourselves as a technical organization, but helping the business leaders and the, the policymakers and people who maybe aren't technical in their role really understand why this technical activity is so important. Before we dig into the uh, potential NACE-SSPC merger, let's step back a second. Uh, talking about COVID-19, you gave us a little bit of what you guys are trying to do. What are some of the other things that you've had to do to, like you said, not change, but just pivot a little bit with your organization during this pandemic? Yeah. So, you know, like all of us, um, Every, a lot of businesses, including us, do scenario planning. So you look at what could potentially come at you. And, uh, you know, Mayor Giuliani said during September 11th, they never thought somebody would fly two airplanes into the World Trade Center. But because they had prepared for a lot of other things that could happen, they were ready to handle it. And, and that's what I'd say about night and eight. I don't think we ever saw that we would see our entire world shut down in about a two, three-week period. Uh, that totally disrupted everything that we do. 
Um, but because we have been doing a lot of planning, we, we use strategic planning, we're looking at the future, uh, we look at different scenarios, we were in a pretty good position to handle it. Uh, so one of the things, like everybody, our entire staff now is working from home. Uh, we we have the technology in place. That actually became a fairly easy step for us. But we've been embracing uh, people working remotely for a long time. We make a real effort to hire the very best staff that we can. And if not, we recognize not everybody wants to live in Houston, Texas. So we've got people spread around the world. And so we had to make that transition. But that, that actually was fairly easy. The big thing for us was moving the programs and services that we offer to online. So I talked about education, and uh, we're taking the CIP uh, program online. It'll be a hybrid model. Uh, uh, you'll get two days of your training online, and then once we're through this crisis, you'll be able to come to a, a place, either here in Houston or somewhere else around the world, to get your hands-on training. We're going to be taking the CP program online, and it looks like it may go fully online. We have some tools for CP that we can do uh, simulated training of some of the skills. So it's not fully online. It will be significantly online. We've, we've launched basic corrosion this week, fully online, and, and we're actually getting a lot of requests to bring other of our programs. So we're moving quickly that way. Uh, we'll, we will be launching um, the ability to attend our conferences virtually. So right now we still are planning on a conference here in Houston in June. We had to move it from March. Uh, we are still planning on June, although that is very tentative, uh, depending on what happens here. And so recognizing that a lot of people aren't going to be able to travel, um, we are going to put a hybrid model for virtual in place. And then we're also planning for a fully virtual conference if needed. And we'll make that decision by May 1st as to whether or not we're going to go completely virtual. So we've done that. Um, we've really ramped up our online community. Uh, one, one of the things we did, and this is sort of reaching outside the technical world again, last week, and it, it's still available on our website, uh, we held a webinar with a couple experts on the CARES app. So our government has done some things very good to support small businesses. But it was also very confusing. It was a lot of legalese. There was a lot of misinformation and confusing information out there. We had to work hard to understand it because as an organization, Nate wants to take advantage of those. And we realized that we had gained a tremendous amount of knowledge that we could share with our members because so many of our members are either small businesses or individual proprietors, um, and by sharing that, we could help them. So last Monday, we did a webinar um, that was extremely well received. Several hundred people participated, and the comments were incredibly positive on um, sharing more of the business things. How do you participate in the payroll protection program? What are the other uh, benefits that are available? What are the legal uh, concerns that you may have? Or other places where you could get tripped up if you don't do it right. So, you know, we're, we're changing the way we deliver products and services, but we're also expanding those products and services through this time. One of the things that COVID-19, I think you've hit on it beautifully, is it's taught businesses how to do things differently. 
Will you do you think once this is over, a lot of these online courses and resources will just become standard practice for NACE? I do. I do. Um, I, in fact, I'm making a point of it. I, I, we can't lose what we gained. And, and, you know, you can look at COVID-19 as a crisis that is destructive, and it clearly is doing a lot of damage, but you can also look at it as an opportunity. And I think the good organizations, the good companies, are finding the opportunity in this. You may have seen it if you go on LinkedIn or uh, Facebook or social media, or you can look at the bottom of my email address uh, or name, we've adopted the concept of making uh, lemonade out of lemons and even have a little logo that goes with it. Well, we can't, I keep saying we can't give that lemonade back. We need to, that needs to be our products and services going forward. Not that we will stop doing brick and mortar or physical things, but we can reach so many more people uh, by having it online. And, and also recognizing that people are changing. This is going to change the way people interact in the future. We are going to become more comfortable with society with technology as a means to communicate. So we need to be there. So, yeah, I don't see us going backwards. Um, I think it will offer both. I, I don't see classroom education going away. I don't see face-to-face conferences going away. Uh, but clearly the online version will the uh, uh, co-offering along with the brick and mortar approach. That's great information. I know one of the things too that you had you touched on briefly before, and one of the main reasons for having you on the McGuire Iron Podcast is the potential of NACE International and the Society for Protective Coatings merging. Can you give us a history on this and what are the differences and the similarities in the organization, and what led you to this point? Sure. Um, so the history is long on this. Um, I think probably you know, we're seventy, little over seventy-five years old. They're a little over seventy years old. Uh, if you go all the way back to the founding of SSPC, NACE was involved in that. Um, actually, for a while, there was a seat on the SSPC board for a NACE member. Because back then, they didn't recognize the codings as being similar or like the traditional corrosion prevention. Um, but that changed in our thinking, and, and we've begun to understand that these are systems that we put in place, and they're not individual elements. So going back probably 30 years ago, there were attempts made to bring the two organizations together. And my understanding is at least three times in the past. Um, the last one, I think, was around 2000. They weren't successful for a lot of reasons. Um, it's hard to make these work. In fact, the research will show that for not-for-profit organizations, mergers are only successful 15% of the time. And the, the, the main reason behind that is, if you think about the typical um, business transaction like this, frankly, money greases the skip. Um, in the end, the decision makers either have more assets or they have more money in their pocket. And so there's an incentive to really work through the hard things to get to the other side. In the not-for-profit world, nobody owns us, and there's no exchange of personal benefit or money or finances. Um, And so it's a little easier for it to fall apart. So it did fall apart the last couple times. Uh, 
it was about two years ago where uh, Terry Greenfield, who is today our president, but at that time was president-elect, and Joe Walker, who's the current SSPC president, uh, were together and started a conversation that said, do you think the time is right that we can make this happen? You know, I, I joined NACE, it'll be 10 years ago this year, and the first conversation I had with a NACE member, he brought up the need to bring these two organizations together. Um, and so it's always been an underlying aspect. Uh, we do a lot of the same thing, right? We both train, we both uh, do conferences, we both do technical standards. And to some degree, there's some overlap. And I'll talk, I can talk later about there wasn't quite as much overlap as everybody thought. But, you know, how do you overcome the politics? How do you overcome the different governance structures? How do you, we do have two very different cultures in how we work. Um, so we started down the path. We put a team together, and we call it the PIMS team, and they started working. And we began to realize, though, that we were destined to end up where the other attempts were. Uh, one of the things was happening, it, it was dragging on too long. And the other thing was we really didn't have insight outside of ourselves. And so a really wise decision was made was to bring a third party in to help us through this. We hired a company called McKinley Advisors, who has an expertise in bringing associations together, and it has made all the difference in the world. Uh, they've helped us work through uh, where we have differences of opinion, which frankly have been very, very few, um, and they've also, they've also brought new ideas to the table on how we can do things better. And so we've made tremendous progress uh, since bringing them on board. And as you know, the vote's going on now. Uh, so in the end, the two organizations serve the same industry. One of the things we found was there are some key areas where we overlap, but for the most part, we are very complementary. Uh, probably 85% of what we do is not overlap, it's complementary. And one of the big surprises to us, although we serve the same industry, our memberships are very different. Uh, we only have about 10 or 11%, maybe 15% overlap of membership because we serve two different parts of the industry. And so when you begin to realize that the industry can be, speak with one voice and have one organization that serves everybody, how much more powerful that could be. And that really, once we learned those things, that really accelerated the process and I think started to get people excited that there can be something better here, and we can use our resources as an industry much more effectively having one technical society or one professional association serving the industry. The board has already agreed to the merger. What if the popular vote comes back and says, you know what, I don't want this to, don't want the merger to take place? Have, has that been talked well, about at that's all? not going to happen. But, <laughs> yeah, we did talk about it. Um, and, and, and so right from the beginning, the premise was that this needs to go through a vote of the members. If the members don't want it, we should not be doing it. Um, and so there was never a question from the very beginning, whether we would bring this to a vote of the members. And, and it's funny because I've had a couple of people make comments to me, yeah, but it's really a done deal. The member vote doesn't count. That's absolutely not true. The, the member vote means everything. Um, and 
it won't happen if we can't get the members, uh, 50% of the members, actually more than 50% of the members, to say yes. So that was always part of the discussion. And, and again, if the members say no, we won't go forward. Now, one of the things we have done, uh, which is a little different than a typical ballot, we have put a place on our votes for coming. We want to hear from the members. Um, and to date, the ballot's been open a week. And to date, we've received over 800 comments, um, mostly positive, in fact, significantly positive, but good ideas and constructive feedback. And that feedback's all going to be taken and used as we continue the design of the new organization. Now, in the end, NACE is a member-driven organization, SSPC is a member-driven organization, and if, if the members don't want it, we, sh we can't do it, we shouldn't be doing it. I will tell you, we were smart enough early on to do some research with the members. Uh, we did several polls, some of them directly from NACE and SSPC, some of them done by independent parties that maybe people didn't realize it was for us, uh, so that it wouldn't be tainted. Uh, and at that point, those early research showed us that it was about 90 85 to 90% positive support of this, depending what population of the membership of the industry you, you were talking to. Um, and throughout, we have continued to go back to the members for feedback. Well, we did, um, a, there were about an hour long uh, interviews. This is done by McKinley Advisors with members from across both organizations to get their views and thoughts and ideas on this. That was done fairly early on. We've done a series of town halls with both organizations. Uh, we did it at the SSPC conference. Since our conference was postponed, we actually did ours online, where members had the opportunity to not only hear what we're doing, but to ask questions and to provide their comments. So communication to the membership has been core to this. How is, uh, I think we all as NACE members or SSPC members want to make the decision that's going to make our organization stronger and better. Has the decision um, about how it affects overseas in Europe been discussed as well? Because um, I'm, not, I'm not very familiar with it there, but I know we have a strong presence as a NACE organization uh, overseas. Has that been part of the decision as yeah. well? Yeah, it's been a big part of the decision. Um, at NACE, our, our international members are a core part of who we are. They make up about 45% of our membership. Um, you know, we have offices in China, the Middle East, Europe, Latin America. Um, we, do a, we train in 38 countries. Um, actually, this is one of the things that really makes sense about bringing the two organizations together. NACE has been international in focus for probably 20 years. Uh, SSPC for the last several years, I don't know exactly how many, but for the last several years has also had a focus. We were headed down a path that really was going to duplicate initiatives and activity and frankly waste industry resources. I mean, if, if we both have offices in these international places, we're both trying to serve members internationally, that's resource that gets taken away from doing other things. So one of the key tenets as to why this is a good idea is that we can serve our members much more effectively and efficiently everywhere in the world, here in the U.S., Canada, 
but you know, Middle East and Asia and Latin America as well, Europe. Um, so that was, that was core to it. So we actually had international representation on the PIMS team, uh, the team that came together, to, uh, the project team is what I would call it, to, to put the whole proposal together. It's had international representative basis, representation throughout, and we will continue to have rep- international representation in the organization, similar to what NACE does today. Bob, you talked a lot about the process and all of the stuff that's happened so far and members being the biggest part of it. What were some of the concerns or, you know, I don't want to say criticisms, but the things that members really wanted to know through this process that they brought forward to you? So that's a, that's a great question, and it, it, there were some things that we had to address. Um, and I'm, I'm going to speak a little bit for the SSPC side, but I think we've worked hand-in-hand and close enough that I can do that. Uh, and then I'm, of course, speak for the main side. So one of the concerns that really was for both organizations was, and the term started to develop, losing their voice. So in both organizations, we have populations of our membership um, who feel as if they can really be heard and they can make a difference. For SSPC, it's the contractors. Uh, for us, it's our international members as well as the non-coding members. And so, you know, if you think about bringing these two organizations together, one of the risks is that people will get lost in a larger organization. Um, they'll become smaller because of it. So we had we we identified several key populations that we wanted to make sure had a strong voice. Uh, one of them was the asset owners, and why the asset owners? Because that's who our members; those are our members' customers. And if the asset owners don't have a strong voice in the organization then we would be doing a disservice to our members. If you can't hear clearly from the people you serve, your company's not going to be able to be as effective. The second area was the contractors. Um, Contractors are big in both organizations. Um, They make up a large part of both of our memberships, and it's important that we're paying attention to the contractors. And then the third was the international membership. So we created three councils that are part of the governance structure one for each of those populations. And those councils will have a direct voice to the excuse me, to the new organization board of directors. Um, so that was one big concern. The other big concern was what can happen to the certification? You were probably asking the same question. Um, yes. What's going to happen? You know, there are people out there with the NACE certification. There's people with the SSPC certification. There's people that have both. What's going to happen is we will be putting together a committee of members, it's an ad hoc committee, who will work through the both and understand both certifications and then do a comparison. And the intent will be to bring the strength out of both certification programs, assure that the content is the content that professionals should have to do their jobs effectively, taking from both what both organizations do today, plus maybe looking at things that neither of us is doing today that needs to be added, and then develop the future certification program for the new organization. There are a couple tenets that were put in place for this. One is, until decisions are made, nobody should be adversely affected because of us bringing the two organizations together. So if you have a NACE certification, that NACE certification will stay in place and fully valid. 
If you have an SSPC certification, the same thing. The second is once we bring these programs together and we've developed a new program, it should also not adversely affect anybody. Uh, nobody should lose their certification. Everybody should have a pathway to the new certification. It may take, require taking an additional course, probably online, or some additional content development, demonstrating some additional knowledge and skills, uh, because the new certification may have some different requirements. Um, I'll give you one. In fact, we're going to be implementing it here shortly. Um, ethics. We have not historically included business ethics as part of our program, but in today's world, that's almost become part of any certification. So most likely this new program will have an ethics element in it. And you would have to take an ethics course of some kind and then demonstrate that you, you understand that concept. So, so there'll be some of that, but it won't have a adverse effect. And that also means financially not having an adverse effect. One of the questions concerns people have is that, okay, well, if we build this new organization, now you quote-unquote build a monopoly and the costs go up. Um, that's not going to happen. First of all, we are still member-led and managed and board of directors are all members and they have certification and they don't want to see their costs go up. Second is, there's still a lot of competition out there. Um, there is competition from other places around the world. you got Frozio, you've got I-Core, you can go down the list. So there's a level of accountability that we are going to have to be competitive and meet the market demand. Otherwise, we become obsolete. So there will be controls in place to protect the finances. So those really were the three, probably the biggest areas where we heard concern. Bob, what happens with the standards? You talked about membership and certifications, but what about all of the standards that are out there from both organizations? So a similar process will happen. Um, both organizations have standards committees today. The new organization would have a standards committee. Uh, one of the tasks that committee would have is to go through both standards, uh, both organization standards, and um, synthesize them, commonize them where needed. Uh, lot, frankly, we don't have as much overlap as many people think, um, so that's the good news. Where we do have overlap, we'll have to synthesize those. But we also are going to be challenging them to not just look at what we're already doing, but where are there gaps that industry needs that standards don't exist today, and how do we focus on that? So we do believe we'll be freeing up people's time and resources to be able to expand the standards capabilities. We stop working in those areas where there's duplication. Uh, so that, that will happen the same way. There will be a committee of members. They'll be charged or tasked with looking at the standards development process and commonize that. The good news is we're both anti-accredited, and that requires us to have some level of commonality as a fundamental. So you won't see it. It won't be as dramatic of a difference as it could be. Um, and then work through bringing that whole, those programs together. Will this new organization have a new name, or would you adopt one person's name, or have you thought about that? We have thought about it, and the decision was made to move that further down the road. Um, it will have a new name, a new brand, and a, and a new look. But the intent is not to push two organizations together, but to take the best out of both organizations and create one new organization. 
uh, that's really important because you you know you see when businesses get combined, you see it done all kinds of ways. Um, and the other thing is, it's really recognized as a merger of equals. Uh, even though our size may be different, the number of members may be different. When you really measure the two organizations on the multitude of different ways you can measure strength, there are places where NACE is stronger, there's places where SSPC is stronger, and in the end, we determined that the organizations are pretty equal. So since we're bringing two equal organizations together, the right thing to do is to create one new organization. And with that would be all new branding and name. We looked at starting with that or doing it before the vote, but to do branding right is extremely expensive. Um, you've got to work with professionals. There's a lot of research that has to be done. There's legal aspects that have to be taken care of. Because we're a global organization, it has to be studied from a global basis. Um, we've all heard the stories of brands being put on products or companies that when they're translated into another language, they end up being um, maybe not what the owner would have hoped. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of work to do. And we say it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to spend that money before we know that we're going to come together. So one of the things after the vote that will happen, probably mid-summer, um, would be kicking off the work to develop the branding and the name and the, uh, the new organization. So we're we're midway through the vote. Uh, how is the vote going, first of all? And you mentioned earlier getting comments from members. What are some of those comments that the members are making through this voting process? So the voting's going very well. Um, we are we made the decision to not share the results of the vote until it's over because we and, and actually that came from the advice from the uh, organization that is managing the vote for us. Um, because you don't want to influence the vote, right? So if we go out and say, this is where the numbers are, you could you could either get people to become lackadaisical or you could drive people one way or the other. Just like in a, uh, a presidential election, you don't need the results to a vote. So we, we are um, talking about the results. I will say it's going well from a couple standpoints, though. One is the participation is good. Uh, we've, we've seen strong response in both organizations, um, and the comments have been helpful. You mentioned, uh, you asked how, where the kind of comments. So, first of all, a large part of them are positive and supportive. Uh, the concerns that we're hearing are similar to the ones I just talked about, and really emphasizing those elements uh, that we already discussed. There's been no surprises in any of those comments, and... As I said, we're gathering them, we're going to synthesize them, and we're going to use it to inform what we do going forward with the organization. But the vote's going well, and you know, give me a call back on the 18th, and I'll be happy to share the results. If people haven't voted yet, where should your members or SSPCU members go to vote, and when do they need to vote by? Okay, great question. So every uh, active member, meaning you're in good standing, of NATO SSPC, have now received two emails. They received one last Friday with the voting information, uh, and they received one yesterday. Um, they also, in our case, they can vote by going to uh, the NACE website and signing into their portal, uh, and you'll, they'll see a link to be able to vote from their uh, membership page, their profile page. We recognize that 
things like spam filters and corporate policy uh, sometimes get in the way. And sometimes our emails get um, found a way into the trash rather than to the person who really needs the information. And that's why we made it available uh, online as well. If you haven't received it, you just call either organization. Uh, or in our case, we call it first service, their customer service, and let them know you need it. And they'll help you get to the, to the vote. We're trying to make it as easy as possible to vote. We're both using the same system, organization called Simply Voting. That's one of the things to recognize. It may come across with the email header or the email address of Simple Voting rather than NACE. Um, but that's, that's what it's for. Uh, they are managing it for us so that there can be no um, impact or you know somebody putting a heavy thumb on it or anything like that. No, no way of... Uh, having the voting handled inappropriately. So they're an independent third group that's been doing it for us. And they'll report the results to us uh, following the close of the vote on the 17th. So you do have to complete your vote this week, uh, this coming week. It does, the ballots do end on Friday the 17th. And then when will you make the announcement to your members and to the public at large? So the intent is to do it fairly quickly. Uh, we have a meeting, I believe it's scheduled for Saturday the 18th. Uh, with the PIM team, we have a communication team that's been working this, and they're preparing now the communication, and of course, preparing communications for all uh, potential outcomes. And so I would expect you're going to hear it very, very early that following week. What, I guess, now that we've talked about the NACE and SSPC potential merger, what is out there outside of this merger in the future for NACE? What are some of the things, I guess, forward-thinking, forward-looking that your organization is doing uh, to prepare for the future? And I guess that's kind of where we'll wrap up the podcast. Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things we have been investing heavily in, and you'll see from us, whether it's under new, the new organization or it's um, NACE, I think it will be the new organization, is an investment in being able to access our body of knowledge. So all that content we talked about, you talked earlier about you know, thousands and thousands of uh, papers and 1,500 standards, and you can go down the list. We have, our business is content, and we have tons of it going back 75 years. The challenge becomes how do you access that content? You know, the, the model today is Google. I can go online and type in something, and Google miraculously provides it to me in nanoseconds. Um, unfortunately, in our world, and, and in most associations or content management companies, world, we're not that good. And we need to get better at it. So, so one of the things that we're investing is a, what's called a content management system. Uh, basically, we are going through and we are tagging all of our data so that it can be easily searched. And by data, I'm talking everything from a piece of paper uh, to a sentence sometimes or a paragraph to a paper, uh, a peer-reviewed article in Corrosion Journal to a paper presented at one of our area conferences to content in our education courses. Everything that we have that's knowledge will be organized in a way that it's fully searchable. Uh, the other thing that we will be starting to do is finding ways to make it easier and easier to access it by our 
our members and, and our customers. We've talked a lot about the pivot to, to distance learning. That's a way to easier access. Uh, online conferences, a way to easier access. We're, we're managing or working under the philosophy that we want to have the world's greatest library of corrosion-related content, material protection content, asset protection content, um, but it also has to be easily and affordably accessed by anybody and everybody who wants it, and it has to be meaningful. So that's a big challenge, and we're just getting started on that journey, but I think you're going to see us make huge strides forward in your ability to use the information that we have available. Why is that? You touched on a little bit, but that's super important, especially like we talked about with the COVID-19. It's changing the way businesses work. Are, are these things that are coming out forward thinking to say, how can we serve our members better? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, we didn't just start thinking about this with COVID-19. Um, three years ago, we launched an initiative called the Visions of NACE. Um, some people call it NACE 2.0. But it was a it was a effort of staff and members working together to develop a vision or a view of what NACE could be and should be in the future to serve our members well. And there, you know, there's some core tenets that drive through that. One is we recognize, as I said, we have a ton of content, but it's not easy to find, it's not easy to search through. Some of it is still sitting in paper form and it's not digitized. We have to focus on the content. So that was that's been one of our initiatives now for a couple of years. The other was embracing online technology and um, really in going the next step even, embracing the fourth industrial revolution um, and the, you know, the Internet of Things and all the fancy terms for it, but recognizing that people are going to live and work differently in the future. Um, also recognizing that we believe our industry is going to change dramatically. So not only how you use base changes, but what you need to know in your profession changes dramatically. Um, I was with the CEO of a company out of Austin who is developing a whole series of sensors that they are going to put on pipelines. By the way, it would work in the water industry as well as the oil and gas. That they're going to put on pipelines that they are going to be able to monitor everything about that pipeline, including its wall thickness, the condition of the coating. The, how fast the uh, material is flowing through it, uh, any disruption that may happen to it. It's this incredible technology. There's not, it's all automated. Um, you know, today, we, if you look, we have a lot of people that we train that they spend their life walking up and down pipelines, or in your case, hanging off a water tower. Well, there could be a day in the future where the human doesn't have to do that. The technology will do it. So what happens to the human? Well, the value that the human brings is the ability to analyze, to problem solve, to uh, resolve concerns and issues, to put, put uh, things in place that protect those assets. So we're going to evolve from data collectors to thinkers. Well, why is that important? Because we teach people. So we have to make sure we're teaching content that is meaningful to our members, and it's going to help them assure their careers are long and meaningful in our industry. If we're still teaching the old stuff, 
um, that doesn't do anybody any good. We've got to be paying attention to what's coming down the pike five years, ten years from now in the industry as well. So that's a big part of the whole visions of NACE, that we not only use the new technology to deliver, but we're teaching the new technology that's happening in the corrosion industry. All right, Bob. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Is there anything else about NACE, the voting, the potential merger that you'd like to touch on before we let you go today? No, I just want to encourage people. I'm assuming this will be out before the 17th. Go vote. So we really do want to hear what our members have to say. So thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com, or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Podcast.